Hello, sugars. Lord, I'm trying to do the best I freaking can. There's somebody listening to like Aretha Franklin or something. I can't even say the word. I don't know if y'all hear it. But you know what? I'm going to keep going because that's what this show is all about. Welcome to Dear Maddie's show. Hello. We are we are rocking in December, sugars. We are having it. It's going to town. Um, on this episode, um, oh, I know I say this a lot, but it's a really good episode. It's with Mike Blesher. First of all, he is so cute. He he is he is so cute. Um, he's also what like way smarter than I am. So that one that I felt stupid a lot. But oh, but he's also not a jackass that makes you feel like you know some people like I love you but poodle. He's smart and he'll be he'll make you he tries to make you feel like an idiot. I love him, but he does that bitch. But Mike is like he's still he's still so like so grounded. What I love about Mike Blesher, um, as he said, rhymes with pleasure. Take it whichever way you want, sugars. Is that he's just? I really think he's a definitely an idea of, of a new age type of man. Just the way he talks about masculinity, the way he talks about being uh, being a white man, and and what's been the privilege about that, and and kind of what's been his experience with that. I mean, privilege and like having privilege and things like that. It's it's a very depthful conversation. It's definitely I like that. I think why I connect so much with Mike is that we both, um, we both again, it's like two white guys. We could really just kind of look at the world through our own lens that was that was given to us by birth, or you know whatever that is. And we both really not only choose but really fight to try to like expand ourselves and think outside of our own boxes, which. I think it's, again, with what's happening with political climate, whatever, what side you're on, it just, that's really important to do right now is to, is to get outside of your comfort zone, to think outside of your space and think of how your actions, your words, your community affects other communities. And I think that's just at the heart of what Mike and I want to do in the world. So this is a great podcast. You can also listen to, um, he, if you download an app called Spare Men, he actually, um, he does these little things where you download the app and literally any of you listening, if you like this podcast, you can just talk to him for like five or 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, we did a Spare Men this week. It's on my Facebook page, uh, at the Dear Maddie Show, uh, Show Facebook page, which is the, uh, facebook.com slash the Matt Mar. It's also, um, on Mike's Facebook page and that's some of the best places to find him either on his Facebook page or on his uh, website, uh, which is MikeComedy.com. So here's my pleasure. Oh, and two other things before we start. You can also, Sugars, I'm all over the place. There's, I'm on two other podcasts this week. I'm on uh, the Mindfulness, Mindfulness, the, Jesus, shit the bed. I can't even say it. The Mindfulness, gee, <laughs> I can't even say it. The Mindfulness Mode podcast with Bruce Langford. It's a great show. It's basically, if you are interested in meditation, mindfulness, kind of scared of it, this is a great podcast because he really wants to make mindfulness available to the masses and make it practical for people. So we talk a lot about that and some techniques that I've talked on the show and some I haven't about that. Now, that's in the show notes. Also, I'm on a Building Business Rockstar show, the Building Business Rockstar show with Nicole Holland. I love this woman. She has purple hair. I actually have to email her back because she's going to be on the show. This was such a cool, just great 30-minute episode. Again, we talked a lot about how to craft your story um, in a manipulative, meaningful way 
to get people interested in your story and make money and things, which is something we all want to try to do to make money and, uh, and affect people, hopefully. So, sorry, long intro, but sugars. We had a lot of shit to cover. So, I'll see you at the end of the show. Here's myself and my pleasure. Okay, so good. We're recording. What, what? Let me fold this down too. Yeah, do whatever. Fold it down. I'm just trying to make your audio situation. Oh, I don't care if the paper ruts. Most ideal. Mike Pleasure has obviously not heard the Dear Maddie show, but we're new to the Dear Maddie ah. because I don't edit shit. We just let it go up. It's a show composed mostly of paper ruffling. Pretty much. Welcome, everybody, to the Dear Maddie Show. This is Matt Marr. I'm here, as you can tell, with, you. Sound, again, you really do sound like a radio star. This is Mike Pleasure, everybody. I don't know what you're talking about, and, but I appreciate your saying so, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a fun show. Mike Pleasure from It's My Pleasure, the podcast. Yes, It's My Pleasure with Mike Pleasure on Spare Men. On Spare, and we will explain what that is in a minute. But I want to yeah. tell everybody, because people are going to listen, like, they're going to be like, is Matt interviewing, like, a voiceover? And no, we literally just met at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. Like yes, this I am weekend. a twelve-year-old girl, and exactly. And we just started talking, and you really—you're one of those people that's kind of like, I mean, like Morgan Freeman always sounds like Morgan Freeman, and you always, <laughs> even when we were talking, you always sound like Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I totally yes, you know just what you're sound, talking about. You look just like him too. Oh, that's good no. of you to say. I do have a god complex. Just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I have a God complex, but I'm an atheist. I don't, very low self-esteem. Oh, boy. Like, oh, boy. Ooh. And here we go. So, okay, so have you always, even as a little kid, always had, like, the voice? Uh, I mean, I always had a nice voice in the sense that, like, I, I've been singing for, I was singing way before I ever did comedy or anything like that. Uh, I was doing classical singing uh, from a very young age, relatively. Oh, nice, nice. But I did that too, actually. It, oh, cool. Yeah, undergrads in opera. Oh, nice. Because I wanted a degree in some, nothing. I went to, when I was in high school, I went to the Boston University Tanglewood Institute and sang oh, there. Tanglewood. Yeah, I know. I love that place. Very nice. I oh, got wow, to, you did fancy stuff. Seiji Ozawa received a cannon while I was there. Oh, um, that sounds like he got fucked. Oh, but yeah. But if you don't know what a cannon is... <laughs> Um, I, you know, here's the thing. I don't know what's going on back there. Maybe he did. I'm Maybe cool with it. Uh, and I got Yo-Yo Ma's autograph. I don't know what I, I like. I didn't care then. I don't care now. I don't even care for autographs. But but somewhere it's a big, it's a big deal. Somewhere in my attic, there's a rat chewed up piece of like <laughs> brochure that says Yo-Yo Ma. <laughs> you were so were you excited then, and you didn't even know why. I think I was just, you know, other people were doing it, and I was 17, so I was like, we're standing in line to do a thing. Now we're doing the thing. Look, we did the thing. So were you a nerdy choir kid? No, I, maybe, I don't know. I was, I was, uh, here's the thing. I have a very crazy history, just super crazy history, uh, the, the highlights of which are, uh, I've talked about it on the Risk podcast, experienced sexual abuse at a young age, okay. and then I also, uh, which is why I'm so funny. Which, by the way, and the Risk podcast is a great podcast. It is. You should all stop listening to this right yep. now. Mm-hmm. Go Just listen to that, then come back. Go. I will try it if I'm good, and I remember... <laughs> If you find your episode, I'll put, I will. I will put that in the show notes. I will. AV Club called my story the best story. And I bet they wish they didn't because whenever I talk about it, I always mention them. <laughs> so, um, like, oh, that guy. But, uh, Never complimenting like, him again. We have a weird stalker on going. So uh, I uh, that and then I also had a hollow bone. So I, I broke my arm four times by like when I was 
between eight and 12. And then I got flesh eating disease in my arm and I got super fat. Oh my so, gosh. and then I like lost some of the weight in high school and I was like, so you look great now. Thank you very much. It's, um, it's all a facade. Uh, so now, now my bones filled in and my soul is hollow. Just kidding. I don't believe in soul. Here we go. Wait. So how did, no. So, well, the reason I say it was just because okay. you, you asked like, were you a nerdy choir kid? And I was like, and I'm like, I was uh, certainly um, had a lot of, like, was very introspective due to all the things that had occurred in my life, but I wouldn't regard myself as necessarily fitting in. Like, even the nerdy choir kid fits into a certain sort of uh, area within that. Or mm. And also, my school, my high school was, like, predominantly black, or, like, 50% black, 25% white, 25% everywhere. And so, like... Uh, even in the choir, I was like, you know, it was, it was me and a bunch of black kids and like, uh, you know, it's just a different, it's just a different sort of, uh, dynamic than what you might think of when you think of nerdy choir kid. If you just mm-hmm. watch Glee where black people don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> There's like <laughs> I don't, none of them there. I, I will say I didn't really want, I, I haven't really watched Glee. That's just my uh, presumption from having seen Gwyneth Paltrow on it. Oh, uh, well then. I think that's in her rider, right? I don't work with the blacks. I, I just assume. I just it probably assume. Jake Anthony, if he listened to this show, is saying, yes! No, Glee, huh. great pilot, and then whatever. Um, huh. So, okay, I have to ask. What did they fill your bone with? Love. Uh, no, they filled it with... Uh, what they did was they, they uh, injected a radioactive dye inside. Uh-huh. Then they x-rayed it. And during the x-ray, they uh, the, the dye got into the cyst, which is a liquid that was in the bone, preventing marrow from growing. They uh-huh. used a needle to suck out the cyst, having being able to see it because it was irradiated. So then they sucked it out, and then the bone naturally filled in over a period of time. But wow. that is why when I got it broken the fourth time, which was after that surgery, it was on the same day I got the stitches removed from the surgery and being in the hospital or in the doctor's office with the broken arm trauma is what led to strep getting into the arm, uh, flesh eating disease. Ba-bum. Oh my God. Keep strep in your throat, kids. Keep it in your pants and also in your throat. Uh, don't get strep in your pants. Keep. <laughs> All right. Uh, genitals and pants, strep in throat. Check. Okay, good. We're good. We're going to have so much gay DD, as I say myself on this show, <laughs> even though you're not gay, but we're going to have definitely some AD. I feel like there's going like, to be a lot of tangents. I want to say I'm not gay, but I'm definitely not like the straightest arrow in the quiver. I don't even think you can say quiver if you're fully straight. That's <laughs> not a, have you seen Robin Hood? It's not a, it's not a hundred percent thing. I believe everything is a spectrum, particularly because yeah, a, a bow is shaped like a spe- All right, let's move on. Uh, no, I love it. We can go anywhere. We talk about all that kind of stuff. Uh, so where you grew up where? I, so, okay, here we go. My dad was from Argentina. My mom was from California. They oh, met that's a- why you're hot. Stop that. Um, no, you are. You're very pretty. All right, keep going. <laughs> so my, my dad's from Argentina. My mom's from California. They met in Israel. I was born in uh, Texas. I grew up in the D.C. area, Virginia, and in Alexandria. And then I went to college in Oberlin, Ohio, and then I moved to New York, and that is where I live now. But right now, I'm in L.A. What is going on? And Oberlin's, like, liberal as fuck. Yes, they are liberal as fuck, and with fuck, and of fuck, and (laughs) fuck, yeah. What was it like going to school there? Uh, It was, I mean, it's a very small place. I I was talking with somebody at the L.A. Podfest about, uh, sort of, we were talking about kink and about... Uh, you know, sort of sexual exploration and all of these things. And I was like, even at Oberlin, where I was definitely exposed to sort of safer sex nights, what they have there, and drag ball instead of prom, I make a very ugly woman, which is fine for me, but you bad know, news for my hot, sister. A lot of hot guys make ugly women, <laughs> Well, it's the, it's the chin. It's the strong chin. You've, yeah, see? I'm just, yeah. 
Mine is soft, so I look actually like my mother. Oh, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. I bet you sound like her too. It's I do a little. Oh, um, you you said you had an aunt named Peggy, and I was like, oh, yeah, of course you do. Oh yeah, Peggy and Darla. Oh my god, that Peggy is Peggy Jean, Darla Jean. Oh my god, I, if somebody animated you, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Yeah, exactly. And my grandma's <laughs> name was Hazel. So, well, one's oh Hazel, god. and the other one's Maybell. Are you a Zach Galifianakis character? <laughs> Sorry, I mean a character? A character? I think so. Um, I think so. So, um, uh, yeah, so I've been I've been from and uh, am around all over. Um, but I, I grew up in the D.C. area. That is mm. my primary place of residence, where I was. Okay, and so now, so tell everybody about, tell everybody about your show and tell everybody. Sure. About, I want to say it wrong. It's Spare Men. I yeah, I know. Thing. There's the Spare Men. Where do I get the Spare Men? No, there's an app for that. It's called Grinder. Uh, yeah, so true. it's true. Um, I uh, I do several shows, but uh, so so I'm working uh, with this uh, this app company called Spareman right now, and they do these little micro podcasts. So let's say your fans wanted to call in and, and talk to you, and you could set to like two minute uh, recording so that it would cut off after two minutes, and they could just request. You wouldn't have to give them your number. They could just request through the app. You could just whenever you have time, hit the button, and you'll get the calls, and then they'll automatically be recorded. It's very smooth for people who want to like podcast with somebody who's far away or record their calls with their friends whatever i'm not here to sell their app they are great but i don't uh, but i'm not on the clock yeah you're not uh, on the clock they found me because uh, oh and i called it uh, it's my pleasure with mike Bledger just because i wanted to teach people to pronounce my name uh but uh i also because pleasure right uh, it's a great but, thing to say and you're polite thank you is what a polite person would say fuck you <laughs> uh, so <laughs> i'm just that's what a polite person would say uh, so they found me uh, in part through this other podcast that I do called Malignant Brain Humor uh, with an H. Uh, that's right. I spell malignant with an H. No, uh, it's Malignant Brain Humor. And uh, that one is longer form interviews one on one with comedians, writers, artists, other for- uh, other people. And I do very sort of uh, in-depth. Uh, what I say is I contextualize their work within comedy, comedy within art and art within the broader scientific worldview. Hmm. So very pretentious. And uh, it, it is pretentious, but I like you. it. Thank you. You know, pretentious is just a pretentious word for having ideas. Exactly. Oh, and, God. Uh, Jake Anthony's going to riff on that. <laughs> and uh, I also, and I do live shows there, which are like panel shows. So like women in comedy, uh, sexuality in comedy, political correctness in comedy, these kinds of things. You do that in with... Uh, I, I do those uh, in New York at the pit, typically. I haven't done one in a little bit because I need a better... You've got a great recording setup. i got to do that. But I do those at the pit uh, with uh, People's Improv Theater, and uh, that's just with malignant brain humor. Mm. Uh, MBH Lab. I don't I Sounds like a video game. want to be friends with you because I like the stuff you talk about. We've um, done it on Facebook. We can do it in life. It's true. We are doing it in <laughs> life right now. Facebook. It's a place to try your friends on. It is a place to try your friends on. So, okay. I have so many questions because I wanted. Okay, so I guess with let's talk about what has been something that has been with malignant brain humor. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about artists and comedy and kind. Of, what has been <clears throat> with Eva any interviews that you've done? What who's had probably one of the just most interesting or crazy or just. Um, just like I don't know, just amazing processes and how they do their thing there are there are a lot of different i mean i sort of each interview is very tailored to the person that i'm doing it with but you know obviously the more i know their comedy the more i know them the more i can say i did i did it uh i I try to list one that people will know the person because that's that's fun for people who are listening 
Uh, but I did a, a two-parter with Jim Gaffigan a while back, uh, and that one I, I split. One it was part was comedy, another part was religion. And so I really talked about how religion plays a role in his comedy. And this is years before he did his show, which mm-hmm. is sort of about him being religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought it was very, I mean, I, I think it's a very interesting to be religious as a comedian because it's not something that is typically the case. We are very yeah. anti-establishmentarianists, let's say. Um, we're very we're very anti-establishment a lot of the time. So religion, uh, sort of contextualizing how religion plays a part in his comedy, and then sort of thinking about the way that all comedians have to have uh, sort of a, a form of uh, faith in in that they're like, I will do this. You know, mm. they, they have to create a world around them. And so mm. even the people I was listening to Tim mention the other day on uh, uh, comedians comedian, we recorded live at the LA Pod Festival, and and you know. I'm very much in his sort of what, like, I think like him in terms of the way I think about the world uh, and, and the worldview. And yet I think it's really uh, powerful. The, 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 and, and the thing I kept thinking was like, but you also did have to believe some things that are not real uh, or not realistic or not mm-hmm. just sort of don't, aren't well reasoned or you can't, you, you know, they're not, you can't depend on it. You're, mm-hmm. you're like, what I say is, you know, I do like, I don't, I'm, I don't gamble except I, I'm in the arts. So just with my life. You know, <laughs> just with your life. Yeah, just that's it. Just, just my life. Just <laughs> throw it out. Um, dice. Oh, snake eyes. Damn. <laughs> um, oh man, I gotta keep. Uh, nope. More. I think these dies just have ones in them. Um, that's what it feels like sometimes. Uh, so, uh, so Gaffigan was great because I, I think he's very unique within comedy mm-hmm. and in terms of somebody who is both um, in like um, uh, in that world. Uh, but sort of lives in two worlds, and also he's he's uh, you know from the Midwest, but in a sort of comedy. I sort of think of as you know in the way that jazz is a black art form. I think of comedy as a uh, Jewish art form, stand up, mm. uh, just in terms of the way that we speak. It comes from a Yiddish background. If you look at the history of stand up, that is so fucking true. Thank you. I, uh, <laughs> I I I have an emotional bone with you, and I normally don't say that about white men. Oh yeah, so <laughs> that, that that's so like true though. That is so true. Thank you. I I can't. Uh, that is something I arrived at, but then, uh, like, it was nice because th- there has been some research on this that is, like, I arrived at that just from my observations, and then I found, like, Cl- uh, Cliff Nestroff's book, and I found uh, this uh, Tony, I'm forgetting his last name, something, but uh, there's a couple so of people who have researched much this. smarter than me. Well, I just know different things. <laughs> no, I like it, though. I like I like being around smart people. Because I'm pretty I smart. Stuff. I'm pretty smart. Yeah, but you're not a... <laughs> I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty smart. But you're not an asshole about it. I'm, pre- I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty smart. <laughs> I'm so smart. I'm so smart. Tell me how smart I am. Like, yeah, I like to. I'm so, I'm very smart. Okay. Um, so uh, that was good. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's so many good guests. I, you know, I, I, one that I always uh, liked was uh, Jermaine Fowler. Uh, he's, he's a really funny uh, young black comedian. We just got a, he just got a show on CBS. But he, oh, cool. um, he, he told me about his mother coming out to him on the phone and she, she came out to him by telling him she was getting married to, and I don't remember the name, but it was a woman's name. And he was like, that doesn't sound like a guy. And I was like, so she came out of the closet in a wedding dress? That's amazing. That's ama- it's that an amazing, amazing story. It is amazing. Uh, and then like Aparna Nancherla I thought was really great because we sort of talked about the degree to which uh, race versus gender is a big thing. for you know. And she's not particularly, she's not a very, like race isn't her isn't the, the the determining factor of her comedy. Neither mm-hmm. is gender, and yet her comedy is very located within her own individual voice as an Indian American woman. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know, I thought I thought it was a really great way to because I mean, you know, spoiler alert. She was like, oh, it's much harder to be a woman than to be an Indian American yeah. in comedy. Like comedy is very cruel towards women. Uh, and I thought that was a really you know great example of that. Also, um, 
people might not know her as much, but Catherine Heller, we did a really intense episode about uh, sexual trauma and, mm. and assault, and I did her show and she did my show, and both we both got a bunch of fan mail that was like, I never thought I could laugh so hard at something so horrifying. Mm. Um, and then Political Correctness I thought was great, because it's a live show, so the audio's not great, but the, but the content was great because we had really people arguing on stage we had two different groups of comedians going like well i think audiences are too sensitive and then somebody else going like no i just think we're telling people to not be racists or telling people to not mm. be bigots and you know like i say don't be a bigot you go don't be politically correct it's like you know it was a really great uh uh simulation of that larger debate mm. um and then i could i mean you know mike kaplan and i have the same brain but his is better so <laughs> so every time we're we're on uh that's good similar with zach sherwin but it, different stuff you know I, like these everybody brings different things to it so i can't you know i, I can't choose my babies they're also they're also pretty they're also pretty <laughs> and smart they're also funny and just oh i just hate them i just hate how good they are i hate talking to people better than me it sucks and just, I like I like it. I like I like my show. That's, um, I like I, your show too. Thanks for having me on. Oh no, thanks. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's always I try for it to be humor, heart, and helpful advice. That's no, that's okay, yeah, that's fun. yeah, no, I like no. it. So what? Sorry, I'm gonna keep talking because you're interesting. We'll get to questions. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm the worst. So you know, please interrupt me all the time, forever. Like let's if if we're doing the debate again, you be Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> oh, god. <laughs> Talk about the political correctness. I feel like Donald Trump. Literally, it's changing a little bit because there's so he's making he's making topics that were deemed quote unquote racist. He's empowering people that I would say are probably hmm. racist, but he's empowering them where he's legitimizing what they what he says they feel like they can talk about. Yeah, well, more. well, this is the thing. I mean, uh, people talk about political correctness, but it's a similar way that people talk about, I mean, it's, it's like when comedians point to bloggers and go like, stop censoring me. And it's like, they're not, that person's not censoring you. They're just speaking out against you. Like, cause they disagree with you. Censoring yeah. is, it's not the, like first amendment has nothing to do with this. First amendment is the, 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 the police coming to stop you. That's what mm -hmm. Lenny Bruce dealt with. That has nothing to do yeah. with you and a blogger. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's just speech. And the internet has provided an amazing forum for people who are, uh, for minorities, for women, for uh, queer people to uh, have their voices heard, and that's incredible. And a lot of, you know, white dudes, and not just, but, uh, you know, a lot of people with various kinds of privilege feel threatened by that because they're like, no, but I was just being fun. And it's like, right, but you're like, what if you also heard what their version of fun is? And also maybe like you aren't ready to recognize what that that like your audience uh, is not expansive in that way mm. that when you, you like you have some responsibility as a speaker to think about the, what think the about audience it, yeah. is hearing uh, and not Which Donald Trump doesn't do yeah and you can do whatever you want like but you know if you say something that somebody thinks is racist it's racist and yeah yeah totally college students and other people who are not college students maybe have their haunches up, but the way that I communicated to a lot of a lot of uh, white dude comics who are very funny people, and you are white. I, 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 I should, sorry, I should, I should clarify. White. I am so white. You're so white. Again, dad from Argentina, but I saw how different cops treated yeah, me than him. Exactly, because we did a lot of crimes together. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but um, what I tell the guys who uh, complain about this is, I'm like, here's the thing. Yes, you are being judged by all the other uh, white. 
uh, dudes who have your accent in some cases who spoke about race in a way that was racist and maybe what you have to say about race is not racist and you're being judged by what audiences have seen of them in the past and that is unfair but a black dude's version of that is getting shot by the cops or pulled yeah, over by the cops exactly. so it's like you're both getting stereotyped but even in that you're doing way better so like maybe just accept that yeah it's been like because obviously because i'm you know just a therapist and i'm a trained person mm-hmm. and all this stuff but also because i mean that's a picture of my boyfriend up there so definitely like dating a black person is i can confirm that he is black he is and, and beautiful i love him but i can confirm that too it's um and please do mm-hmm. but just like when you post things either on facebook or talking to people that um we talked about this with another a social worker on my show a couple of shows ago but it's just why do you think white people get so riled up when you say the word white privilege. Like I had cousins unfriend me on Facebook and things like that because hmm. I, I just posted about white privilege and not, I didn't think in a demonizing way, just talking about the awareness of it. But why do you think? Because when any individual sees themselves not as the way that they fall within a society, but as their own story, they don't hear, they, they don't exactly hear the white part and they just hear privilege and they go, what are you talking about? I work really hard and I've had a hard life and I'm, and I'm like economically under, you know, privileged in all kinds of ways. And that is true in many cases. So, you know, hey, look, uh, when, when, when a lot of uh, women comedians were talking about uh, sexual assault and all these uh, dudes were talking about, uh, you know, we're trying to shut them up. And I, and I saw some really amazing, brilliant, uh, like black comics, uh, dudes who talk about like race all the time and have brilliant attitudes on it. And some of them were going like, Hey, why don't you just go and talk to the cops instead of talking on Facebook? And it's like, Hey, they, some of them were like, they were going to the cops and talking on Facebook. So why are you trying to shut them up? And B, you just spent a year telling me you would never talk to the cops. So why can't you extend your empathy about your own experience one step past the thing that you know about you're yeah. an expert in race you're so funny and you're so smart in that area why can't you extend that to women's experiences so people are tribal and they learn the arguments that benefit their tribe and they learn the arguments that benefit the ideas they already have but they aren't always willing to think past themselves or past mm-hmm. their tribe and i don't think that when and i think a lot of time when somebody hears white privilege they go well i'm not privileged uh, you know, because I, because I'm, because I'm family, poor, and I this, and, blah, blah, and I, blah. and uh, yeah, and I'm, and I'm like, hey, 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 you uh, have it tough. I, but here's the thing, you know what? Bill Gates got up every day and worked really hard. Uh, so did the, you know, a lady who was born in, you know, the, the let's say the barrio. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about here in LA. No, they're trying that. To... What's that movie with the woman on Empire? She's playing like a NASA scientist that we never heard of, a black woman who was a scientist in NASA and like did something. Oh, um, I, I have no idea. It's the same though, parallel. Uh, the like, point we is, never heard but, of her. But, but, but yeah, well, I mean, but even even that, like, um, I can tell you, I can list you a, a billion, uh, a billion. I can tell, show you a bunch of ec- uh, economists who talk about this. Warren Buffett talks about this. There's a great New York Times article by Peter Singer in 2006 or so. You can look it up. He talks about Warren Buffett. It and his great quote about how if you know Warren Buffett is a very very wealthy man one of the wealthiest in the states and he's like but if I were born in Nigeria where there was no infrastructure where there were no roads you know where there are no, not the same kind of roads the same kind of uh, you know the same kind of um, college education system the same kind of research on which I depend the same kind of all of this the same kind of markets into which my money is injected and uh, built to 
I don't have any of that. So yeah. you can have two people who work really hard, but one of them does not have access to any of the same resources or the same soil in which uh, to grow. And that makes a difference. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, two, two plants uh, can grow just, you know, can be the same quality seed and be in, one can be in shit soil and one can be in, I guess shit is good for soil. So this metaphor is breaking down. <laughs> you just ruined, um, it. ruined it. But yeah, so I think that it's just that uh, people see themselves and their work. And so when you tell them privilege or, you know, whether it's white or male or whatever, they think of all the times that they were unprivileged. And I think it's really important there to go like, uh, the, you know, what I say is, uh, you know, validate, but still firmly disagree. So like, yeah, you worked hard. I'm not saying you didn't work hard or you have had it tough in all kinds of ways. Maybe you uh, should think about like economic privilege and economic, di you know, not privilege, which we don't talk about a lot in this country. Mm -hmm. We don't, you know, it's very recent that we talk about class. That's not a long history. Uh, you know, mostly we lie about it for yeah. hundreds of years. So like, you know, you could talk about all the ways that you are not privileged. That doesn't mean that uh, white privilege does not exist. That doesn't mean that, you know, just because you benefit from certain kinds of privilege doesn't mean you're doing amazing. Mm -hmm. And just because you, and the fact that you don't benefit from this other privilege uh, shows how this whole thing works, you mm. know? So again, stretch yourself outside of your own experience. You would hope, you would hope. I, I mean, I've noticed, I've talked to people just in that, we're talking so much about Black Lives Matter, which is great and important yeah. and something. But at the same time, like historically, the African-American community has not been supportive of the LGBT community. Yes. And so it's like it's a little bit, I hope. It's, yeah, this is a very tricky thing. Yeah. And I feel like I've been encouraging other LGBT folk that I have be supportive of Black Lives Matter because it almost have you ever seen that movie Pride? The British mm. movie Pride. It's based on like the gay rights. It's is kind it of about like about a flag. I don't know. Nope. But it's basically <laughs> how in during the It's about 80s, a lion, a group yeah, of lions. It's about it's, yeah, it's the gay lion king. Oh. Um the lion but king how, on like, Broadway. It, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> how a group organized of gay people in uh in the UK to form with a Northern Irish uh, I guess, wait, this is not, yeah, Northern, Northern Irish, Irish um, coal miners oh. during all of that upheaval in the 80s, mm. and they were one of the few minor, a few groups to support them, mm. and how these two very foreign groups that never really would support each other kind of found similarities in community, and I love how you just, I mean, I've never heard it explained this way before, but just... I love, I just want to say hashtag extend empathy. I think that's such a beautiful thing yes. to say. Uh, let your empathy radiate anyway, outside yeah, your body. Yeah, we could go on and on about this. Well, no, so just, I, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I think it's a, it's a really interesting and tricky thing, uh, right? Because so much of, um, you know, uh, th there's, there's different things. And I don't want to talk too much about black culture, uh, which I have, you know, a secondhand uh, knowledge of, an uh, experience of, mm -hmm. but, but I'm not uh, entrenched within it. But but I do see uh, a lot of things at play. I do see um, I do see the role of religion in a community, uh, and I do see the role of uh, of uh, poverty within a community because of historical uh, oppression. And one thing I will say is that uh, both religion and poverty are both uh, both track with more conservative viewpoints on uh, sexuality, typically mm -hmm. uh, religion, obviously, and. Um, and and less obviously, but still just as well documented, uh, economic status. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so, you know, part of what I would say is that, um, you know, it's like I, so I'm a non again I'm not I'm I'm an atheist I'm a non believer I don't yeah I don't it's not my uh, defining trait but um, 
and I'm not trying to beat people over the head with nothing because that doesn't work. You go Whoa, with, uh, but, but uh, you know, I uh, I sort of talk about metaphysics and about beliefs. And but when I when I hear people like talk shit about people who are religious. Uh, I'm always like, you're very progressive. You're very liberal. You're just talking shit about people who are religious. Uh, but but how does that work with your view on, say, uh, black people in the black community who are, uh, you know, they are aligned with you in all these ways, but they are typically way more religious? Are you just going to, like, you just happen to be also saying, when you say all religious people are idiots, you're also saying all black people are idiots. Maybe think about how that makes you feel and then go back and think your equation through. Yeah. You know, think yeah. about, like, how these things uh, work. Now, I mean, I think that, I think that that it, this is all changing and growing and developing, and as we hopefully see more enrichment, um, you know, within the black communities, we see more like uh, as we see more economic growth, and uh, that I hope we'll see, uh, you know, more of those kinds of uh, liberal values sort of working there. Hopefully, yeah, um, and, and role I, models are getting better as well. Yeah, and I think, and I think. Yeah, I mean, like, God, Obama, I, oh, he's going to be an amazing ex-president. I, the only thing that makes me okay with him going away is how amazing of an ex-president I know he's going to be. He's going to be, they're uh, both, they're both, he and yeah. Michelle are going to be incredible. But I mean, so like that, yeah, both of them. And so, uh, like his sort of, uh, advocacy and, you know, vocal, uh, you know, acceptance, um, acceptance isn't even the word, but endorsement of the gay community. You know, I think that, especially uh, since it wasn't the case in 2008 when he was trying to get elected, yeah. which, which I always use as an example to people when I talk about like, look, politician, you get the politicians that you want or like that we like can tolerate enough as a, as a group. So like, because if not, yeah, if he if he hadn't have done that, then he wouldn't have gotten elected, and then we couldn't have the change that he goes. You know, you gotta. This is the people for the people who are like, I will only vote for Ralph Nader still. Um, they're writing a Nader in the, right. <laughs> the 2016 like, thing. Yeah. It's like you gotta like you gotta allow politicians to play strategically over the long game. But also, I understand the de- desire to not compromise yourself. I get that. Yeah. I worked in politics briefly, and I uh, reported for uh, PRI and Capitol Hill for a minute, and I was like, I'm out of here. This is too much bullshit. I get that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm just saying, I think it'll change. I think it is changing. I think that, you know, people have the, a lot of the time, the perception that uh, suffering is a zero-sum game. And I say, suffering is not a zero-sum game. That means, you know, if for one person to win, the, I'm, for, for the audience, if not for you, that uh, for one, if one person scores a point, the other person is losing. You know, if you're winning, the other person is losing. And I'm saying, we can all suffer. So, like, yeah. you know, it's like uh, gay people suffering does not take away from black people suffering. Uh, both can happen, and white people win. Hooray! But just the straight ones. Just the straight ones. Hooray! We win! We did it! And just the guys, not the women. Get out of here, women. Get out of here, ladies. Yeah, back into the... I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, so, you know, none of this the suffering uh, suffering competition that I see from people. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't... I, I, we could go down the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. I, I, oh, I've been to some of those parties where you go down the rabbit hole a lot. Oof. No, so... Okay. See, because you meant, and I don't doubt that you're wrong. That you're wrong. I don't. I, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't doubt that I'm wrong about something. I've said. <laughs> I've said so many words that at some point I had to be wrong about something statistically. In which case, I'm sorry. Well, okay. Well, kind of getting into like different experiences. This first question I've actually had on the show before, but all right, I wanted to bring it to you because when we met, you talked a little bit about 
an open or uh, would you say open relationship or polyamorous relationship? Uh, I tend, I tend to. Uh, if you're not comfortable talking about this, just tell no, me. No, no, no. Now. I, I mean, it, like it, it's, it's always been a, uh, a negotiated thing, like a negotiated st- <laughs> truce. No, it's. Uh, I sort of shift between non-monogamous or monogamish at times. Uh, is open to some degree, mm-hmm. uh, it, but it, it always depends at the time and the con- the conversation, the communication that we have. So. Mm. Um, much like, uh, you know, myself and with people, I don't tend to, you know, rather than you going like, well, what is your sexuality? I just go like, I mean, I'm like, I'm straightish, but I'm not, but I'm not like 100%, you know, I'm not, I prefer to define myself negatively. I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, monogamous, but I'm also not like super poly, you know, so it's, it's just, like, yeah, I'm somewhere I'm a, I'm actually just a gaseous form that is coalesced into the this this physical uh, exactly. appearance right at this moment. But oh, yep, we're done. We lost Mike. We lost Mike. Well, I th- honestly I think that you're. I think we're. I really do think we're we're going that way anyway. I mean, I just know that. I don't know if you know. I don't think you. Meant, I told you this, but um, I two years ago I uh, helped start a camp for LGBT youth. Oh, that's a so leadership great. Leadership camp. That's amazing. Yeah, and so it's. Uh, it's it's still going. It's called Camp Brave Trails, and oh. uh, we just did our second year. And what is uh, what was cool and interesting was just working so much with with queer youth and things mm-hmm. like that is just how there's they do not want definition. They do not want boxes right. to check. In many cases, they are. Um, I mean, look, it, this is true with young comedians too, right? Is that when you ask young comics, what, you know, people go like, why do young comics always, you know, people that shit on Dane Cook, right? They're like, I hate Dane Cook, I hate Dane Cook, I hate this guy, I hate that guy. Uh, and I'm not, this is not a question of like, is Dane Cook good or not? It's that like older comics, people who are more established or have developed their own sensibility tend not to spend as much time shitting all over other people because they, after a certain point, you start defining yourself positively in terms of the things that you align yourself with. Mm-hmm. I am like this guy, I'm like that guy, I'm like this lady, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, when you're young, part of what you're doing is you don't know what you are, but you can tell what you're not. Mm. So I think a lot of young people are just, you know, what they see is mainstream straight society and this and that, and, and they don't necessarily know what their sexuality is, but they're like, but I'm definitely not that. Mm-hmm. That is what I'm not. Which is, I think, and even saying gay or lesbian, they're like, I'm not those things. Yeah. I'm somewhere different. <laughs> Which is certainly partially. Uh, certainly partially the fact so this is what you know the thing that people think about whenever um see i i don't identify as bi either uh it's just it's not I, again mostly straight but also fun but but, uh, but like but all, i love that that's what people mostly straight but also fun yeah you know what i mean but like uh but but like i know that a lot of people here uh the like if for for a lot of people they think if a guy says he's bi then he is gay if a girl yeah. says she's bi, or if a girl says she's gay, she's probably bi. That's yeah. what that's what they believe. Yeah, that's what right. They so so uh, there's this belief, and and the reason, part of the reason they believe that is because there's constantly so much pressure on male sexuality to be like. I should uh, say that comes from a heteronormative exactly structure. that you know it's, and a hatred of the feminine, which uh, yeah. I could go all into totally. Um, oh, I go all into it. Um, and then they're like, get out. And, and I'm like, I consent. I, uh, ah, let's have this conversation. Uh, no. Um, so I, um, yeah. So I think that in part, it's this fear that people have of like, uh, you know, what it, what is it to be gay? Uh, 
it, it means to for for a straight white guy, it means to give up all the privilege in the world. You have yeah. all the privilege, and suddenly you're being asked to give up all of that. I don't want to do that. I'm you know I also just I'm so privileged. I don't even want to your labels to apply to me. That's that's the uh, that's the straight queer person's <laughs> privilege. Is I'm so privileged that I live above. That's why when people are like Tom Cruise is gay, Tom Cruise is this. I'm like no, Tom Cruise is above all of you. <laughs> he is above your labeling. I don't know what he is, but he it doesn't matter because nothing matter. that you say matters to yep. him. Yep. So uh, he's just. A being. Um, so, so there's a certain, uh, there is a lot of privilege associated with the ability to not be labeled mm-hmm. because being labeled is essentially exposing yourself to the preconceptions uh, that society has about whatever group it is that you are being forced to align with mm-hmm. by checking a box, by doing this, by doing that. You know that's why these things exist. So we can, mm-hmm. so we don't have to meet somebody. We just go like, okay, you're this. I, this, I, I know, I know enough about you. Yeah, we you can know? swipe right or swipe left. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and now we can swipe up. But whew, why are you gonna waste those things? Who, I don't you know. You can swipe up. I don't even know. It's a super like. I don't. I never. Oh use them. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I would super like Jesus. Boom. No, I don't. Yeah. I'm Jewish and also not. I hang around with a bunch of men in a loincloth. <laughs> and you, I, I, I have. I'm yeah. I already have. Yeah, I already have. Um, well, I'm glad we got to the same point. I'm glad we got to the same joke. I, I, no, I, I'm glad we got to the same point is what a bunch of you would say after converging on one guy. Okay. Oh, oh, I, oh. no, no, no. I, I meant both. <laughs> I, I love you. Okay. So, okay. I'm going to read this quickly from Claire. And maybe we've already talked about it, but I just, I'm interested in your opinion. So this is from Claire, age 41. And she says, dear Maddie, you've mentioned on your show that a, a lot of same sex relationships have open, open relationships. I think that's wonderful. In fact, I would love to bring that up to my husband, but anytime I've even suggested it, he says he could never imagine me with someone else. A part of me is scared by the thought of it and what it would bring up for us. But at the same time, I've been with him for over 15 years. I love him dearly. I want to stay with him. We have children and our life is truly beautiful. I would just like to share our bedroom sometime. Am I a terrible person? Also, I live in a conservative part of the country, South Carolina, so I don't dare bring this up to my girlfriends because I think they would be horrified and judge me. Hmm. So no pressure, Maddie. Thanks so much. This is from Claire, age 41. So as mm-hmm. we, we said this before, you're not a terrible person. So, but <laughs> I think... Um, well, I want to disagree. I think Claire is a terrible person. That, a no, no, I think cunt. You're, you're great. Yeah. Uh, no, it's probably quite small because it, like, it sounds from the... No, uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> I was going to... I was gonna really gonna talk about it for. Time. I was gonna give it a really fine reading. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I don't. Uh, I try. Uh, I'll tell you sometime about all the trouble I've gotten into critiquing other people's objectification of women by satirizing it and then having the people go like, "You're objectifying this woman." I'm like, "No, I was referencing." Ah, oh, damn, it, man. It is all about. It is all about, and to me, I try to, when people get riled up, I'm like, well, what do you think their intent is? Because, like, my friend Jake and I do, we do this show called Cabaret, which mm. is a cabaret, but it's obviously, it's called Wait. Cabaret. <laughs> Wait, a cabaret that's gay? Yeah. What would that yeah. be like? And it's like, we're making fun of everyone and everything, and mostly ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, like, in one part, like, Jake said the, he, like, said the word tranny, and someone mm. got offended and walked out. And I get that, but it also, it's kind of a little bit like, when people talk about RuPaul saying that we're female and drag race mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And there's a little bit of me of like where, but think about the intention of where it's coming. Not that that, but again, that's like a privilege thing that we're able to make it, that joke. Yeah, it's somewhere in between. It's yeah. not, it is not merely intent because uh, comedy is a communicative art form. I've been reading, that's writing true. a lot recently about how, you know, when people go like women aren't funny and you go like, Oh, well there are all these, there are a lot of really interesting studies that show that, 
when a joke is attributed to a woman, when a sarcastic statement is attributed to a woman, it takes longer for uh, people to process that mm. the sarcasm in the statement than when it's attributed to a man. Same thing happens when you attribute a joke to like a firefighter or a police officer as opposed to a comedian or a factory worker so there's actually mm. this thing that that's going on here where it's not the sender that is uh that is defective but the receiver there's a you know you got an mm. you, your funny lady comedy antenna is broken and so that is some there's some retraining there that has to happen we have ah. implicit biases not just towards shooting black people but also towards not laughing at women or yeah. with them or you know at their jokes uh-huh. so uh intent totally does matter absolutely and you know it's great if you have the capacity to like or the ability uh, to where you where you are to understand and take into account somebody else's intent but also the receiver uh, as a receiver you are you know the 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 receiver uh, they also matter and what they are going to hear matters so if you know that uh you know i mean like would i say tranny maybe in a specific context in this which was i also understood four years ago no 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 i know it wouldn't happen I'm, now. I'm just saying like it depends on what the context is and how i know people would interpret what i'm saying if i you know like for somebody who has heard that word being said in a horrifying way well they might not be ready to hear it as a joke even if it's a really amazing joke and oh I, yeah and, and i get and, that and i get that but it's the answer is some people have heard that that's the last word they hear when they've been killed yes and i understand and it, even in the context when he said it the other one came out the other one and said you can't say it like that's what totally. we're making a joke but anyway yeah and know. i'm not so my point is what when i you know to comedians to I love people that, like though, that you made me think differently about that good uh, that's what i'm trying to do uh, to comedians and people like that, I'm saying I'm not saying don't say something. This is actually very the Louis episode uh, on uh, the Ford faggot. I'm oh, saying yeah, in yeah. quotes. It's very much about this. It's not I'm saying don't do this or do this. Merely I'm saying consider uh, the people who are hearing it and whether you think in your like do an honest assessment. Do you think they'll hear you? Mm. Will they be able to hear what you have to say? Again, extend empathy. Yes. Like, so, can Claire fuck other people? Going back hmm. to the question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so I think that this is a uh, this is complicated, but I think that it's 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 a it's a communication. It's it's a conversation, and it's going to take time to have. It's not going to be a one time conversation, but rather a uh, communication conversation you have over time because people have their ideas and their beliefs and so a lot of uh, people's possessiveness in relationships a lot of people's ideas about uh, non-monogamy in relationships are not based on their own like I think this and I've thought about this and I feel this about this but rather this is what this means in society right Mm -hmm. the reason we have trophy wives and trophy husbands you know but more trophy wives is because we have this uh this whole thing of how is this person going to make me look in the context of the tribe in the context of the social group so is he really saying i can't imagine you uh fucking somebody else either a lady or a man i don't or whatever i don't care um no i i okay don't don't fuck a kid or like a horse probably because they no. can't consent it's tricky it's tricky it's although tricky. they can't consent to be eaten either and you know what this is why i don't get involved in this conversation <laughs> so much but whoever you do want to fuck um like he may not be saying i can't wrap my head around that or i can't imagine what that would be like he might be you know going that what would that make me would that make me a cuckold? Would that make me ashamed? Would that make me this? Or, um, you know, 
he might not even like I don't think he necessarily knows what he means when he says that because he goes mm. I can't imagine you with anybody else uh, that may just in part be I refuse to think about that because I know that when that happens in the context of society when I hear about that mm-hmm. it's usually not good it's usually not positive doesn't work out for people yeah we don't hear those stories there's a lot of things about the stories you don't hear Mm -hmm. uh ted alexander has a great bit about being you know 40 and unmarried and whatever and the and and he talks about the stories you don't hear about Mm -hmm. and and how good that is and i think that's true with like say uh, abortion too we only hear the stories of the people who are like i got an abortion and now i regret it or i had an abortion and it was a hard decision and i you know i support my choice but we gotta reduce abortions but what about all the stories of the women who are like i got an abortion best choice ever made I live a great life, and I, that I know was not. Some, I you know, know some women that say exactly that, and that exactly is great. But way. that is not a huge part of the national discussion, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We only hear the stories of the. You know, it's the same thing with sexual assault. You know, where people uh, don't. You know, a lot of people don't talk about their sexual assault because there's not a space in the discussion. This is the conspiracy of silence, right? Yeah. We don't hear about it, so we don't think that's part of the thing. So you don't hear that many stories of the people who, especially men. Yeah, men. It's, you know, the, I had one of my friends was sexually assaulted, and she's become an activist. And she came on the show and talked about how her experience, but also shared how it's interesting. You brought this up earlier. How really, what was almost more traumatizing for her was not the sexual assault, but the lack of any type of police involvement to support what sure. she was saying and and validate her claim, and still going through all of that. Sure. Yeah. But, and it, it was, and so, and then, it, but it made me thinking that I thought. Oh, wow. Even like, so if the police are treating a, a woman like this, where we believe women are, you know, we believe more in their, their sexual assaulted neus. <laughs> I, I don't know if women would, uh, would agree with you. But you know what I mean? We believe but, that yeah. that can happen to them. I'm like, yes. wow, how difficult that is for a man to go to, to, go to law enforcement. Dave Chappelle has a great bit about that, about oh, really? men getting raped. And you can watch it said like the Laugh Factory, the comedy store. And uh, basically the, his whole thing is about a guy getting raped. And then he's like... Cause I gotta just suck it up. Okay. <laughs> like it's, it's mm. just, there's, I, I, I'm not doing the bit justice obviously, but it is basically a bit about how there is no space in the, in the public discussion for men to talk about their sexual mm. assault. And yeah, uh, because again, it, it, it questions the whole, it brings in the questioning of their own sexuality. If you go to yeah. ancient Greek and Rome, uh, they, they didn't actually think about sexuality in terms of the gender of the desired other, but rather the role in sexual act. So if yeah. you were a man and you wanted to penetrate, then it didn't really matter whether it was a guy or guy a girl. girl. But if you were a man and wanted to be penetrated, they would call you a conitus, which is their version of the word faggot. So like yeah. they had a derogatory term for that. That still, happen- <laughs> that still happens with, in South America with maricon and machismo and exactly, all that. Exactly, exactly. There are literally men in Brazil that are quote-unquote tops that are like to have all the privilege of other men i'm straight i just fuck a lot of dudes in their buttholes and i like it yeah and that is totally should (laughs) and so like it's uh it's a very uh it's a very complicated thing for for uh or it's mixing in a lot of different things so so i guess what what i'm saying to, to tie this back to claire's uh issue is that uh People don't hear the stories of successful non-monogamous or poly relationships because 
they don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you don't hear about the person who uses drugs and is totally good with it because they do it very rarely and yeah, it, you don't hear about healthy. harm reduction. You that, say no to yeah, drugs. Well, yeah, you don't hear about like, not, but not just harm reduction because harm reduction is 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 a strategy for dealing with addiction and that is, and for dealing with like uh, the negative aspects of drugs. But you know what? I've done shrooms and I do shrooms maybe once every you know, one once every year, once every two years, once every six months, whatever it is. I don't do it that much, but I do it uh, occasionally, and I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that not everybody can do that, but I think that we don't hear the stories of people who use a little bit of a drug and have fun with it, and it's not so damaging that it's like... Yeah somebody who's abusing it yeah we don't hear that because there's not a space for that story mm-hmm. there's not a space for the story of the people who are and there's more of a space today for non-monogamy That's one reason why I love podcasts yeah so I, I would certainly about. recommend that claire show him some of the you know find some great there's not just great articles but great stories great this great that maybe a movie i don't and know you're in a relationship too right yes so like how do you have that conversation was it were you pretty with your own like relationship did you both already agree on that or was that something you talked about we definitely like we met within the context of a non-monogamous like situation so it wasn't as much of a discussion up top although then it did become you know more of a discussion and actually when our relationship has been in like a worse position in terms of us two it's become more monogamous at those moments because then like when when we're we're, when we're when we're really good when we're really good together it, she's not as threatened by me, you know, sleeping with somebody else. Yeah. But she is more threatened by that if we're in dire straits. And I understand that. Um, so, you know, uh, I, it, I'm not saying that it's easy. I mean, I, I've had, these are hard conversations to have. Yeah. But what I would say to Claire is that, you know, in the age of the internet, there's more uh, narratives and resources and things about non-monogamy and things about poly and things about that uh, that like if your if your husband saw some of that, I think it might help normalize yeah. that kind of thing. And I think normalization is a big part of. I mean, hey, it's how Donald Trump is ruining America. It Why is. can't it go in the other way too? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I one million percent agree with that. Boom! That's a big percent. That is a big. Yeah, that is a big <laughs> percent. All right. Okay. This is. Oh, and move away from South Carolina. Boom! <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's where Stephen Colbert comes from, and Roy Scovel. Oh, I just dropped the thing. Uh oh. Uh oh. We are. We are. Uh, zoom down. Zoom uh, down. Zoom down. Zoom down. Okay, we're back. So, um, zoom. It zoom works. back up. Yeah, look at that. Okay, this next question. I'll tell people I'll answer anything. So, this is a little vague. Um, but if this is from this is dear Maddie. What is the best way to tell someone they're being a dick without being a dick? Thanks, Dick. H thirty-three. <laughs> I don't know if this is a real question. It's a short I don't know question. If it's a real maybe, name. <laughs> maybe we're gonna have a short answer. Um. The best way to tell someone they're being a dick without being a dick. Um, I, I've said this before, and I think when you talked about somebody that you're upset with something and someone has hurt you, upset you, instead of talking about what the other person has done and what they do, they do, they do, talk about your experience and what I use I, I, me, and use that to explain yourself. Yeah. So I, hopefully gain empathy. I, so I, I definitely agree with, I agree with what you said. What you said made me feel good. I don't know. Uh, so, so I agree with using I statements, uh, of course. 
Um, but I would also say that it, it's very it's very uh, situation uh, and contextually dependent. I mean, this is part of the thing about a short question That's, like this I, is don't you don't know whether it's you know like is it dick because like, they're maybe maybe he's talking to his kid and he's like stop being a dick you little yeah, kid. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. Or maybe it's know. his wife, or maybe yeah. it's his, his boyfriend, or maybe it's uh you know like so I will say this. So I gave him a generic answer. Uh, I, it really it really depends on the person. I have a friend who is a very funny dude and is very cool kind dude, but he also says stuff that I find. Uh, sexist or misogynistic and and he'll be like you know he'll be like talking about like uh dating and issues with women and he'll be like mm, you know, something something those you know bitches you know bitches this bitches that and i'm like yeah i wonder why they don't like you i, I wonder if it has anything to do with how much you call them bitches i wonder <laughs> if that has anything to do with it so i'll try to you know sort of uh like call him into question you know with a sort of fun like i wonder if it has anything to do with you calling them bitches so much <laughs> and then he's like oh you know i don't mean that and i'm like no no look hey and I'm like, hey, I love you. You're great. You're great. But also, not every woman is gonna like care if how much I love you. Yeah. <laughs> not every woman is gonna care that I think you're a cool dude. Not every woman is gonna hear you say that. So I think you're great. But also, I hear the why people don't like being called a bitch. Uh, so I, I sort of try to give the criticism while also saying I think you're great. But also, I don't like when you do that. Yeah. And that's okay too. Both can be. Both can be. Yeah. Um. Or since your name is Dick, allegedly. Uh, you'd be like, hey, it's so weird how my name is Dick when that's what you're being. That's so weird. That, <laughs> why does? Why is that? How is it that I'm Nick? Why do you name you that? I'm imagining a father right now saying it to their kid. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you said that. He's like, and I'm sorry that I named you Little Cunt. All right. Um, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, and I, yeah. That's a word. Uh, incidentally, cunt is a word that a lot of people don't like hearing from men, too. And that's tricky because I don't, I don't want to call that anybody that in a negative way. But it is like that Louis thing. I'm like, but it is a really lovely word. I always, I always pretend like I always want to be like, uh, cunt. No, but I'm British. I'm, I'm British. No, <laughs> it's allowed. I mean, that maybe some people. I mean, people get. I remember I have a friend who I love very dearly, but like she would get, and I think she was even part of a group that stopped this in school that were against your mama jokes hmm. because they were very offended by your mama jokes and. I, and I can see that, but let's I, I introduce mean, some yo daddy jokes. Yeah, your daddy. Race to the bottom. Let's see. <laughs> now I'm just turned on. Uh, <laughs> yo daddy's so hard. Your okay. daddy's so okay. <laughs> this is from um, this is from Craig H19. He says, "Dear Maddie, there's not an easy way to say this. I'm floundering in college. Floundering. Oh uh, yeah." I'm just kidding. You should go to class. All right. Uh, Keep going. Keep going. I ended up rushing. I'm a sophomore because I'm a third generation pledge. I love being in the house, but I will admit I'm pretty much not going to class at all. Mm -hmm. I know I should care, but high school was so damn tiring for me academically that I'm just worn the fuck out, Maddie. I don't want to go. I'm doing everything through loans on me, so my parents have no idea. Mm -hmm. But a part of me feels I should tell them, or maybe I can wait it out a semester and see if things change. What do you think? Craig, age 19. Mm. Did you go all through college? Did you? Uh, yes. I did too. I did. And in fact, I just, uh, I have a I'm second build in a movie about fraternity hazing that's just been oh, winning wow. a bunch of little uh, film festivals around oh, the country. Oh, wow. Yeah, and actually, they're touring at uh, in fraternities and sororities. They're touring around colleges right now and showing it to them. What's the film? It's called Haze. You can see it at hazemovie.com. Or no, you can't see the movie there, but you can see the preview. Uh, I don't, you can't tell I'm second build from the preview, but I am. But you are. Uh, but I am. Um, it's great. It's, it's, uh, it, I, I have great things to say about the movie. I actually, when I first saw the screening of it, I like leaned over the, the girl in it, um, one of the women in it. And, uh, at the end and I was like, it's just me. Or was that good? 
Because there's so much stuff that we do that's not good. Well, also, you just have no idea when you make a movie, like, when well, you, they, make, you know, they yeah. shoot you 17 times and then... And one little snippet. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I was really good in take three. And they're like, ah, oh, there was a fly in take three. We're going to use take seven. Oh, I didn't say anything right that time. Yeah, we don't care. You know, yeah. it's it's a uh, it's you never know what they're gonna use, but it was a very What's good the movie. Premise? I'm assuming it's about hazing. Uh, yeah, it's actually so it's actually based on a so it's a little bit uh, based around a Sophocles play, uh, or is it Euripides? It's the Bacchae. I think it might be Euripides. Mm. But um, so it is uh, structured in that way. But actually, the guy who wrote the play, uh, David Brookman, uh, he uh, uh, went to the college that he went to. He was in a frat, and it is sort of based loosely around his experiences there. Uh, roughly speaking, the story is my uh, th- this character is a. Uh, pledging to join a fraternity and he is pretty great he's pretty awesome he's pretty awesome and uh it turns out that me his brother is leading an anti-hazing task force uh and uh you will find and so there is conflict between us and him and the me and the fraternity him and the fraternity you know if and when they find out to find out in the movie Mm. and all kinds of crazy intense oh so much partying so much intensity it is it's not a comedy it's real intense some funny things but it is real intense what happens in hazing is I mean, it's deplorable. It's it, it, it's a basket of deplorables. I'll is. tell you that. Oh, yep. Some of um, boyfriend's home. I meant to hello. tell you. He's coming in. How are you? Oh, I'm doing quite well. He's Thank just, you. I know. He for wears, for he those wears. of you who can't hear him on, on mic, he said, how are you? He did say, how are you? He looks very nice. Yes. See you in a minute, babe. Sharp. I know. He's handsome. Um, so, Hayes. It's, and so, okay. Sorry, I got distracted. But I love this. You do interesting things. Hmm. I feel like I'm doing nothing and with people. my life. And people. Boom. Um, and that's true. I mean, to be fair, I just, uh, it's over a period of time. These things all just happen over a long, I mean, I... How long have you been in New York? Uh, I've been in New York since 2010. So what's your end game? Are you actor? Uh, I, 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 you die like? eventually. I'd like to die well, eventually. Well, that you're going to have. Um, thank you. That's, you know, the thing is, want what you have, don't have what you want. That's and then, true. That's you know, <laughs> true. Uh, that's, I just that, want to be stardust again. That's all I want to be. That's just what I'm going to write on my suicide note. I've got a gun. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. Don't kill yourselves. Um, don't kill other people either. Don't kill unless don't you, kill. you know, to eat. You gotta. All right. So, uh, Endgame is. I think that writing is pro. Like writing and 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 broadcasting, podcasting, speaking. Like the the interviewing is something I'm very good at. The I, you know, so I've worked as a humor consultant for Microsoft and the Air Force and a couple uh, colleges that are very prestigious, but I can't say their names yet. Mm. Um, and uh, sort of doing philosophical work around comedy, and some of it is punch up, and some of it is. Uh, and some of it is uh, conceptual, and some of it is sort of thinking about the role of comedy within our society and ethics. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And yeah. I love like this, what we're doing right now. This mm-hmm. is great. And I'm really good at punch up. So I'm trying. I just came here to just came here to work on a. Or well, I came here for the podcast. But while I was here, I got a friend who's putting together a script, and he's got some people attached, and that's pretty awesome. And he uh, he asked me to come by and take a look and do some little punch up, and I. Just like went over and like nailed into it. it. I knocked it out of the park and you know, some baseball in it too. And then he brought me back the next day. He was like, Come back, please. And I did it again. And then he asked me again. We've done that like four times over the course of the time that I've been here. And now he's like going to, he's going to bat to put my name on the script as one of the uh, writers. Yeah, which is, it's uh, incredible. I mean, I didn't ask him to. I was like, I don't care about that. I just want jobs, you know, other jobs like here or down the line or wherever. I don't care about this one script, but he is like, no, I, I you know, I want to put you on the script because you deserve it. And, uh, you know, he was like, I wouldn't feel good doing it unless I did. Mm. Uh, so he's, he's a real, he's a real, he's a real guy. He's a real That's swell a really, fellow. Uh, I love, wait, what was the question? Oh, 
Craig. You asked Craig's already dropped out of school. No, 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 Craig. I know Craig. Distract, oh my distracted. god. Oh my god. Craig. He's already done. He's like, oh, they don't care. I think. I think he. I think he went to sleep in the middle of our. When, I think the, he did. the second I think that I said did. no, it's foundering. He, he's already he's drunk. Checked he's off. Being hazed, yeah. Um. Okay, Craig. Here's the deal. Um. You don't necessarily need to be in school right now. That doesn't mean that you don't need to be in school ever, and that doesn't mean that you uh, should, you know, um, do that. But but here, here's here's the deal. You're taking on loans that are really... I don't know exactly which school you go to, but you're taking on loans. It's not going to be pretty. That's what uh, I was going to say. It's too. not going to be pretty if you fail your classes and then have to pay that much because what you're doing is you're paying that much to party with a bunch of dudes. Exactly. And you that's can do okay. For free. You can you can do that for free or you can do that for yeah, I mean even if you paid a tenth of that much, much that would be fine. But I think that you are worried about like I am a third generation this and if I do this then I need to and if I and if I go away from it then I'm uh, then I'm giving up, or if I go away from it, I'm I'm giving up some part of my identity, and I'm exhausted from academics in school, and da 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 da. You know, like there's a lot going on there, and all that I'm saying is, uh, you could take a semester off, you could take two semesters off, you could take two years off. I know people who went to school when they were, you know, in their twenties and thirties, and yep. I don't know anybody in their forties. Gross. But school I'm is not <laughs> gross. Uh, school is not going away. Um, school is never going away, I'm, Craig. I'm gonna be forty before it's too. Don't even worry about it. Are you in your 30s? I'm in my 30s. Oh, I did not think you were. I know, I know, I know. I I thought you're a man child. If I keep on saying I know, I'll start to cry. I won't make you say your age, Um, but I'll ask you after. Moisturize. Um, But my point is, I'm not that close to 40, but my point is that 40-year-olds are pretty pretty chill. Um, I'm not saying I'm I'm in my 40s, but I've fucked a few of them. I was going to say, best sex I've ever had if it was some 40-year-olds. Yeah, that is really, you kind of, like that. They know what the fuck. They've been, they've done it. I think... Yeah, I I hope if I, if if you find me in ten years and I'm going best sex I've ever had is with fifty year olds, shoot me. But right now, <laughs> right now I'm good. Right now I'm good. Um, so it's a real trick. It's a real trick. Um, but my point is that um, you can go away from school and it will still be there. You can go away from your fraternity and if they are not still there, then they were never your fraternity yeah. to begin yeah. with. Um, but right now you're paying a lot of money to not do what you're like paying the money for and exactly. that is just not efficient that's, that's not efficient and you're gonna you're gonna wind up in deep debt and and you're thinking about what's fun right now and the parties and student and the loans seem belonging. easy because oh. you just get them but yeah they're not easy they're they, not easy when you pay them off hey i am i'm still paying them off me too and i'm in my 30s yeah exactly <laughs> um so i would just say either you know, buckle down and da 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 and da da da. But I would actually, I wouldn't say I that. Wouldn't say that. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm. Yeah. My point is not like that. You have to leave school, but like you do. You really got to be honest with yourself, uh, and that's hard. But I would say your 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 body is already telling your mind what it's planning on doing. Yeah. Your body's exactly. telling you, I'm not going to go to class, and I'm not going to do the work. I say that all the time to clients. Uh, listen to yourself. You know. Yeah. I say that all the time. Your body's already telling you. Yeah. That is so true. That's what I say to all my friends when, when, when they're like, should I stay together with my girlfriend? And I'm like, well, maybe if you're putting your dick in that many other people, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be, your body's maybe your body's already telling you what to do. <laughs> um, you know, or, so you, and, but I don't tell them to break up. I just say like, listen to your, listen to yourself. Yeah. And you either need to change your behavior to, to get in line with your mind or uh, allow your mind to accept that you have already made up your mind and you just mm-hmm. can't accept it. You know, you've already decided 
You just haven't been able to accept it. There's very few questions that I get on this show, I feel like, where people do, truly don't know what they hmm. want or, or, or feel like they should do. Right. Um, 90% of the time, I feel like they know. And Craig, I think you're writing into us asking this. I've, again, even from the question, you're, you're saying you're worn the fuck out. You're saying that, you know... You're you're tired. Like you don't want to go at all. You're not going at all. Like, you're <laughs> he's, like he's gonna write another letter back. that's like, hey, it turns out I just had mono. Woo! Yeah, woo! <laughs> I'm just, just going through a funk. I'm in class now. Going great. But yeah, I'm like Craig. I mean, Europeans do that. They take a year or two off. Yeah. They go to I oh the uh, the people I, I you know when I was in college, uh, and I've seen this invariably. The people who have taken a year off are invariably better able to. Sorry, invariably means that in no never mind. <laughs> Uh, that uh, they are. I knew what that is. I, and no, I'm I from know. Oklahoma. I was explaining. I was I explaining it uh, to Clegg. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I, the people who took a year off were almost always better because they they kind of got out that that like they got into the world, saw how terrifying it was to just be somewhere without knowing, without having a path laid out for them. And then when they got to college, they were like, "Oh my god, this is a, this is like structure. structure. This is a path. Yeah. This is amazing. I can work within this. That's so cool." Uh, sometimes you need to know what you don't have and then having it is good and better to do that then than to freak out when you get out of college and then go to grad school that you don't want to go to because of whatever because grad school even more expensive yeah did you do grad school too? hell no i did um, um, well it was i great. went to grad school vicariously through my sister several times there you <laughs> <laughs> and there you go it's much smarter oh well oh that's our questions um mm. well now we're at we're at the chatty matty questions yeah, so the, sugar. These are finally about, you'll find out something you. about me. Yeah, I know you said you had Disney prince hair, but you kind of have a Disney like you have Prince Eric nose. Oh, nice. You do. You have a really good nose. When I was when I was like sixteen or seventeen, it was a full slope. Like it, uh, it. My dad it had a changed? my dad had a big like. Chuk, chuk, uh, that's a like a he had a crook uh, nose, which is not a thing you should say about Jews. It's not they're not crooks. Settle down. But his <laughs> nose was he had a big crook. crook and did uh, you get a nose job? No, 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 no. Mine is like mine's got a little bit of a bump, but it's not. Uh, and it, but it goes down now. Whereas when I was 16, it was like, boop, like it was a real button. Uh, uh, oh, because their nose never stops growing. Yeah. So yeah. Just... Yeah. 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 That's uh, especially for Pinocchio. True. true. I think that's just a lie Pinocchio put out to normalize his affliction. <laughs> um, did you know that your nose never stops growing? Yeah, well, yours just did. Because he's lying. Because he's lying. Um, <laughs> that's uh, well, so, yeah. Well, speaking of childhood, uh, I don't know if we were speaking of it or not. Chatty Matty number one, what's your most memorable childhood smell? God, I, you know, I don't, I'm not, my memory is a memory of very vague, like, narratives and lessons and ideas and concepts. It's never a memory of, like, almost never about individual instances and uh, things of that nature. So, I mean, I will give you something, but it's, I'm just saying, it's not the way that I think. Um, I, I, for some reason, I'm just right now thinking about the smell of pennies that I, like, I, I used to like suck on pennies at a certain age. There mm. was some age when I would just suck on pennies, mm-hmm. and uh, for some reason, that like that coppery taste and the sort of smell, uh, I, 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 you know, I think involved in that is uh, is memorable. Mm. Beyond that, I mean, I'm sure you've got a lot of people who say that bubblegum uh, strep throat thing. That's that's got to be a common answer, right? No, I don't know. Oh, I feel wait, like there is. Yeah, when you had you take that the bubblegum bubble strep throat, that's got to be. I would think that'd be like very common. I answer. haven't heard that yet. Uh, well, I'm gonna say it then. It's Fuck a, these pennies. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, the most common one I've gotten so far usually is diesel or gasoline. People mm. that reminds people either of their 
like road trips or things like that, which is that is odd. not well. They went on childhood road trips. Yeah, I guess they fill up gas in the car, things like that. I think I hung out with cooler parents. No, so, I don't. one of my favorite um, answers. Somebody said that uh, my friend Petey. Uh, they. Um, very one of, of hilarious. They're a funny comedian. Um, but anyway, I believe you. They went into their grandmother's attic, and her grandmother had a trunk of like all of her hmm. old costumes, and that was her favorites because she would just go. I was like, oh, what a great! Memory. That's beautiful. But I actually want the pennies thing. I think that's great. I just imagine you as a little boy, just kind of being content in imagination and just sucking on a penny. I don't <laughs> know why. That's just what I thought for you. Are I was you a very gross. imaginative kid. I mean, I think that I was always, always primed to think thing i was like definitely i was definitely thoughtful like for or like introspective from the start mm-hmm. maybe a little bit but then once i started breaking my arm i was way more just because i was like you know it's like you think about things when you're broken yeah right like yeah people grow a lot after breakups they grow less in relationships a lot of the time uh or one of them grows and the other doesn't and then they break up and then the other grows hey it and works and then they should get back together just kidding don't do that it's don't a mistake and so it's by the way is that, is that a genetic thing like your children would they be predisposition mm. for that or is it just i don't a- know i mean it's tricky when you're you know anyone who's jewish has uh probably has family from europe uh assuming they're um ashkenazi jews who uh had intermarriage within the family because they were a ghettoized community for so long so you had a lot more intermarriage which brings out both really strong dominant tra- this, uh, traits but also really uh pooling of recessive traits mm-hmm. so you get like you know maybe that's why you get like very smart but also very uh, broken Jews mm. right so you know it's it's uh not completely unrelated to uh why you have like um uh like it's a little bit less directed, but why you have like black people who have sickle cell, but you also mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, like stronger traits or like other traits that, that pool, like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were like, uh, forcibly bred in a certain way, but you also got, um, pooling because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you see that when you have, um, when you have any sort of ghettoized community. Um, so yeah, my kids will be uh, horrible, horrible creatures. I, horrible I don't know. Depends on who I. It depends on who I make them with. You know, yeah. if it's a, if it's another, if it's my cousin, then yeah, they'll be mm-hmm. awful. Um, if it's uh, non-Jew, I don't know. We'll see. I could make okay. super kids. You could, you could make super kids. I think they'd be super anyway. Oh, Chatty Manning number two. Before you, before you die, what would be the name of your memoir? That's it. It's called Before You Die. Because if you publish it after you die, that's no good. If I release it posthumously, it'll, it'll say, Before You Die, parentheses, posthumously released. Um, posthumously released uh, is... <laughs> that's kind of a good name for a memoir. Yeah, it's pretty good, too. Um, that's, I want them to catapult me out of the, out of the, out of the tomb. Um, like a jack-in-the-box. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I gotta say, like, so malignant brain humor, uh, I arrived at in part because my... Uh, in part because my dad had a brain tumor when he was in his 30s. When mm. he was 30, it, it was a benign brain tumor, but that's mm. benign brain humor wouldn't be as funny, so I no. changed it for art. Uh, and then he got, uh, as a result of the... So you know how, as a result of my surgery and the arm breaking then, I got the flesh-eating disease in my arm? Uh-huh. As a result of the surgery that my dad had to fix his brain tumor, uh, he got mad cow disease. Oh my goodness. Um, which then is, if, for those of you who don't know, is like a degenerative, uh, rapid degenerative neurological disorder on the, on the like, sort of like Alzheimer's, but way faster, like over the course of a year, um, like, but with a 20 year gestation period. So basically when he was 50, he went into like this coma and then we got him, you know, they, they brought him out and they thought it was hydrocephalus. And then it was mm. just a year of just, you know, dissolving into nothingness. 
Mm. Um, so that was when I was like 19 to 20. Bless your heart. I'm so Bless sorry. Bless my heart. I always thought that's how people from the South said, fuck you. <laughs> you know, Bless your heart. It can be, but it really... It no, truly, I, yeah. I, I know it didn't mean that that time. Um, I have a fun bit about how, like, I've got, like, I've had 10 years now, a little more to, to get over my dad's death. But when people hear about it, it's like, they want to be sad right now. And I don't want to, like, leave them hanging emotionally. Mm. So I'm like, uh, they're like, I'm so sorry to hear you about your dad. And I'm like, oh, me too. Up top. Up top. <laughs> um, and so, no, I mean, you know, uh, I recognize. I'm talking about learning. You're learning. I feel like when a parent, you learn so much about, I mean, such a great Yeah, just experience. by going through their underwear drawer. Uh, sure. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so I... Uh, yeah, no, I mean, this is, you know, th- those, these, th- that, the abuse, which wasn't from the family, but outside the family, and uh, and the broken arm are like, those are the three tent poles of my, like, traumatic mm-hmm. childhood that got me cheap therapy and also, uh, yeah. like, a life that is, like, fun and interesting. Like, that's, you know, I, I do sometimes write in my things, Mike's dad died of the thing, da, 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 and now he's a hilarious comedian. Yeah, <laughs> you know what, comedy is tragedy plus time, that's what Carol yeah. Renette says. Yeah, 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 I mean, I, I think that... Uh, it is not the only um, the only place that comedy uh, no. comes from through through trauma and tragedy, but I do think a lot of the time it's a coping device that allows people to distance themselves from something, objectify it, flip it around, turn it into something that makes a little bit more sense to them, a little bit more fun, a little more uh, up tilted, even if the internal core is still horrifyingly sad. But things that like make it fun and able to reabsorb it into themselves uh, after having sort of manipulated it uh, through the comedy process. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I think that um, uh, that's in part, you know, that's also in part of why I like I got a lot into the neuroscience and sort of. I mean, I, I started was studying a lot of neuroscience and sort of studying psychology and studying all these things which inform the way that I do my show, Malignant Brain Humor, and uh, they and it really informs who I am also because it's a really dark topic, uh, tumors and stuff, mm-hmm. but, uh, but with a silly pun, mm. uh, and cause I'll grow on you like cancer, ah, which <laughs> was originally named for the crab like scars of the crab like uh, shape of the tumors growing under their skin. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's where they get cancer from. Oh, that makes sense. Um, also where you get cancer from everything, <laughs> everything, uh, everything. So yeah, that, I think that's a pretty good, I think that's pretty good. Murmur. I mean, right. Either that or it's my pleasure. I mean, I've really <laughs> kind of nailed it. In you've, the, you've already done it. You've <laughs> done your best work. So you're done. I have branded myself. You're perfectly. Done. You've um, already peaked. Thank you. Uh, best piece of advice you wish you'd taken earlier in life. Ooh, I don't see. Here's the thing. I don't, uh, I don't live with regret. Maybe someday I will. And I, and I'll regret having said that, but I do think that, um, it, it really depends on what you're talking about. I can think about things that I did that would have been better moves for me in other ways. Like, for instance, I moved to New York from D.C. when I was doing, you know, stand-up early on, and I was definitely too early in my stand-up to, like, have good traction in New York, which made it a real a real struggle for me. Mm. Uh, and, I, and people told me that, and I was like, yeah, that's okay, but I want to be in that environment, and I don't want to move into, I don't want to just move into D.C. because I live with my mom right now, and it's going to be just as much to live in D.C. versus live in New York. And maybe I, you know, and I, so, so like the people who told me to wait, that would have been better for my career in stand up, you know, it would have been better for that, either to stay in DC for longer or to go to a secondary city like Boston or Austin or San Francisco or Portland. Uh, there are also some in the middle of the country. I'm so sorry, but, <laughs> but let's get real. Uh, but, um, 
I, but I don't regret living in New York or moving there and sort of doing the things that I did and becoming the person that I've become. Like, mm-hmm. I am this person. I really like this person, even though I'm very hard on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I am the, the sum total of these choices. I could definitely have made choices that would make me more marketable or more strong in this one area or more efficient in certain ways. And that'd be cool too. Mm-hmm. And maybe if I did that, I would would be sitting there going like I made the right choice mm-hmm. and I'm not sitting here going I made the wrong choice but I am I'm aware that I like that the choices I made made this other version of myself than the one who like sort of developed in this one form mm-hmm. uh, elsewhere before injecting himself into this intense crazy uh, crazy intense place mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense well said thank you well said thank well you said. you know it's so fun I've just recently Somebody said, oh, I'm so hard on myself. And I actually, when you said it brought up again. You're like, that's a weird way to talk about masturbation. It is true. (laughs) Double hand that shit. Hmm. But I actually thought, I thought, I don't know. I kind of, I'm really, because I'm a narrative therapist, so Mm -hmm. it's always looking at language and we look at life through the story metaphor and do a lot of externalization and process. But also, we're always talking to the client. Like a client could say, you know, oh, I feel sad. And we talk a lot about what is your definition of sad versus mm-hmm. the his- historical and societal definitions? Because we want to go with what your definition yeah. is. Anyway, so it made me, I've been doing that a little bit with when people say being hard on himself because I actually looked at it, oh, I should be hard on myself because I'm happy to be myself <laughs> and I want I want myself to be better. So being hard on myself is really, is that a way of me loving myself? I don't yeah. know. I've been thinking about that lately, I think, what that is. I think like anything else, the emotion is not the end of the story. I am mm. hard on myself. Cool. Does that express itself in the form of you... Uh, drinking and self-punishing or not drinking, but anything. Like, is that, does that, yeah, or, yeah, cutting, whatever. Does that express itself in the form of you having a lot of negative, uh, intense, like, unproductive things or does that mean that you wake up and you're like ah you're shitty unless you get this thing done and then you get that thing done and then you're like ah you did it good job like does it express itself in a productive or a conductive a negative yeah, non-productive way. way and yeah. I'm not and by the way I'm not saying that being productive is you know the only like I'm not saying that if you get that thing done you'll end up being happier like not necessarily maybe you'll end up doing a lot of things and still not getting in touch with yourself and feeling good about yourself uh, but at least for me, when I'm like, I don't mind how hard I am on myself as a creative person, mm-hmm. and I like that. But I hate how much the like what I what I try to mitigate and try to manage is the degree to which my uh, anxiety can be paralyzing. So mm. the degree to which my when my you know I, I have a I have a little little joke which is like uh, it's like I want to empower people and I'm like. Uh, uh, you know, I believe everyone is a master of their own destiny. That's why this morning I want you to, when you wake up, I want you to ask yourself today, do I want to be paralyzed by depression or do I want to be paralyzed by anxiety? <laughs> uh, in my case, both. Uh, so, uh, I also say anxiety is like, uh, figuring out how to communicate it. It's like, uh, you know, they say you should measure twice, cut once, measure twice, cut once. With anxiety, it's more like measure a thousand times and then die of old age. Um, so... You know, I get. I love that though. Though I love that. What if? What if you actually? I. You know, again, that's with working with clients. Sometimes it is choosing, reminding them they have a choice point of. You can choose depression or anxiety. Like you actually can make a choice, and then in that little seed of choice mm-hmm. comes relief. Yeah, and just like, uh, yeah, just you know, 
honestly, it's you can you can do all the thing you can you can um, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. You know, yep. it's that thing. Yeah, it's yep, yep, there's yep, a lot yep, of different yep. anxiety management. Insert any cliche, <laughs> and it works. Um, all right, chatty Maddie number four. What day would be your Groundhog Day, or so? What day would you be like, Obviously, man? Uh, sorry, go ahead. Man, I'd do this day over again. So what I like about that is that it's uh, this is uh, so uh, I just heard. Um, Tim Minchin on, again, The Comedian's Comedian, he was talking about he's doing the musical for Groundhog Day, and he's viewing it as a zen sort of, uh, he views it as a zen uh, narrative, uh, which is that it's sort of the the birth and death recursion cycle of, like, he's learning over the course of the thing that, you know, when he does something and it has no lasting effect to then be rewarded by the thing itself and not sort of uh, the expectation of reward. The process. Yeah, and, and the yeah. Connect, so connecting with himself and that journey as opposed to the end result, which is, mm. I think, great. Uh, and also, yeah, like what I, you know, I, I want to see that musical is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is also rooted in Nietzsche's, um, circle of something. I don't really remember what Nietzsche called it, but he had the same idea of like, you are living, uh, your most true version of yourself yes. when you, um, uh, when you basically are living your life in such a way that if you had to live it all again and make all the same choices, you could endorse that decision. Uh, so for me, it would just be this day podcasting with you, obviously, duh. Um, but if not that, I don't know. I mean, I don't, um, I, I don't know that, um, I don't like uh, when, when I read that, I, I sort of don't know if you mean like a day that I had in the past that was like the best day ever, uh, you know, I think again, or that goes it's just like you what it would, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, or like what it would be. And, and I, <clears throat> I chose to think about it as the, like what I would, uh, want a perfect day to look like. And mm. for me, I think that like, Things that I would like in a perfect day. I would like to wake up early. Don't stay in so late, Mike. Uh, wake up early. I would like to exercise in that day because I find I have more energy when I exercise. I would like to uh, write a little, probably in the morning, maybe before I exercise, because writing when you are just waking up or just going to bed, these are the times when you are like the most connected with your unconscious self mm. uh, or your subconscious mind or whatever phrasing whatever, that you want to yeah. use. Uh, and I find it, it's very, um, uh, it resonates for me to do that. Uh, so, uh, writing some jokes or just stream of consciousness or writing, uh, exercising, uh, writing some music. I, you know, I love to, um, I've had an, a hand injury lately, uh, from, I tell people from, I'm very active on Facebook. I've had, a, I, I've been getting Facebook fan mail, which is amazing just from mm. my personal thing. I'm, this is not a brag so much as a, I can't believe it, but also brag. Uh, but, um, so, uh. Uh, I would, I'm not saying I wouldn't Facebook. I would definitely like, actually, I, this is what I do in the mornings. Often I'll wake up and I'll Facebook some, you know, a little, I'll do writing on Facebook, some kind of cultural critique and that way I can check in on it over the course of the day mm -hmm. and interact with people if they pick it up. Uh, but, um, so I would write in the morning, I would exercise, I would play some, uh, music. Oh, my thing about the injury was just, uh, I tell people, they ask how I injured my hand and I'm just like, oh, from way too much Facebooking and just not, just enough jerking off. Just enough. <laughs> just enough. It was the perfect amount to go, ow, okay. Ow. Um, so, um, what would I do after the thing there? I think I would, oh, I would think I would probably make breakfast. I like to make breakfast when I can, especially if there's somebody for me to make breakfast for, then I feel really good because it's like I both made a, like I'm great at making, making a nice omelet or eggs or something like that. I, mm -hmm. I made it and also I got like the reward of eating the food that I made, which is great. And also somebody else goes like, you made me a thing? That's so sweet. And I'm like, mm -hmm. ha ha, this is just extra from what I was going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't say that, of course, but in my head I'm like, I, I got it. Um, and I drink some really good coffee. Um, and I'd grind the shit out of it. I'd make it in a Chemex. I'd be real hipstery Brooklyn about it. <laughs> mm. 
Um, play music, maybe write a little bit of the beginning of a song or something like that. Um, and I would, I don't know, I would definitely take a walk. you go see Groundhog Day the musical? I'd go no, see Groundhog Day the musical oh, again, and like again, and again, yeah, and again and again and again and again. I'd take seven shits. <laughs> I would, because it feels great and I want a whole day doing that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess I would either, I would maybe go do a show if I, if I, I would be booked on a show and I would do the mm-hmm. show and it would be great, mm-hmm. but I would do, uh, different jokes every night. No, I'm not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Same jokes then. Same jokes. Um, and, um, I would definitely take a walk. I would take a walk. I would tell jokes. I would write jokes. I would maybe, if I had a, like, with this writing partner I've been working on this script with, I would love to do that. I would do, I, I would, whether it's telling jokes or working on this, like, doing punch-up in a room, mm. either way, doing something that engaged my comedy within a, within a So it a sounds like you've been system. living your Groundhog Days. Yes. That's kind of awesome. The difference is I just wouldn't have to worry about making rent. That's wow. all. I would wow. maybe, I would maybe podcast. This is a lot of fun. I like this kind of thing. Yeah, it is pretty fun. Um, what we do. So, I would do everything that I do in life regularly. Just I just wor- wouldn't have to worry about capitalism. <laughs> That's all. That my, gra- my Groundhog's Day is just no capitalism. So it's called a patron. Mike ah. Roger needs a patron, everyone. And then at the end of the day, boom, gunshot. Wake up in the morning. It's Groundhog Day. <laughs> just kidding. I wouldn't kill mice. All right, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well. Die on stage, not off it, folks. Exactly. Take that to the grave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chatty Manny number five, when are you most inspired? Mm, right now. Uh, I feel most inspired typically either after one of these conversations, after seeing a show like the one I did, like one, I, I mentioned the Tim Minchin one uh, a couple times, but I should say Stuart, Stu Goldsmith, uh, it's his podcast. He does a great job. Um, comedian's comedian. Uh, so after seeing that, I was very inspired, although it's very frustrating sometimes when I watch somebody else do something and I'm like, oh, you would love me. Oh, we would have a great conversation. You too, know, it's, yeah. like, it's hard to watch somebody else do the mm-hmm. thing that you're like, I'm great at this and I'd be part of this. Oh, girl. So... That. Uh, after things like that, after conversations like this, uh, after uh, when I've like uh, again when I've woken up early in the morning, if I have like morning before I, the day has gone by, I'm very inspired. Mm. And um, about about here's the thing for comedians and for writers in general, it's about an hour after I start writing. That's the mm. thing. You have to sit through the hour of shit before the good stuff comes out. So it really mm. is just the, you know, you have to tolerate badness uh, for goodness to happen. Yeah. And that's the hard part, get, getting through that first hour. Have you read um, parts of The War of Art? Um, I've read The, the Art of War, Chocolate the War. war. It's, I, I have it. It's a guy who wrote The War. He's a writer. He talks <laughs> By about the way, the war Chocolate of War? Only white kids in that book. I don't know why they called it that. <laughs> I guess it's the white chocolate war. I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, he just talks about it gets, it's a good book. It's good concepts. I mean, after a while, it gets a little much, a little bit of the same thing because it's in little snippets. Um, but he just talks about how really the it's he, he how he fights resistance every day and how mm. we kind of think as an artist sometimes a lot of artists think if this resistance was just gone then i could create mm, yeah. but he's actually no the resistance actually is a force of nature and to to confront the resistance actually is what makes the artistry more valuable it makes yeah. it more powerful that's why the first star wars was great and the prequels were shit <laughs> Not enough obstacles, not there enough is, resistance. Exactly, exactly. That is very, very true with many things. That You'd be are, working through stuff. Yeah, um, exactly. And even if it's good stuff, even if you're in good place, you're. St- if you, here's the thing: people are, you know, when somebody says, "I can't complain," I'm like, well, "You could complain." Like, yeah, it's okay it's if you okay don't want to, complain. but like you, if you were to think, thinking is intrinsically a thing that 
makes, you know, <laughs> meditation is the kind of thinking where you're like, now I can't complain because I've dissociated myself from the environment around me. But mm. thinking is like, it's a process by which you deconstruct and construct things. And some of deconstruction is critiquing and complaining yeah. and thinking. So, you know, you could do that. Don't hate the sin or hate the sin. I don't, know, I don't know what that means. I'm not sure. That's how. That's my. We're done. I'm just letting yeah. you go. So that's my advice for comics who are like getting judged or judging about like when somebody, uh, when somebody says something offensive or they they don't like a joke. It's like yeah, hate the joke, but don't don't hate the person telling it because you you don't know. They're just they're just trying something out. Critique the joke and Critique the joke and uh, and conversely, if somebody talks shit about you, accept that what you may have said may have rubbed them the wrong way, and that doesn't mean that you are bad. And white privilege is real. I'm out. <laughs> well, to everybody, I mean, really, mm-hmm. it has been my pleasure and my pleasure. Oh, you're sweet. You're sweet. It has been. I so actually sweet. just yesterday, I signed up on your little blog I saw thing. that. I did see I that. I was very excited. You signed up for the mailing mailing list, whichever you should do. And then I was like, oh, I guess I should send out an email. Oh, oh, no, <laughs> it's fine. I, it just means I want to, I'm connected to you and, and obsessed with you. So tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me at MikeComedy.com. All one word, MikeComedy. And that'll be in the show notes. Yeah. And, uh, but also, like, find me on Facebook. I have both my, like, my personal and then the, the I don't know, it's all very confusing. I mean, but... I do a lot of writing on Facebook. That's where I do a lot of my sort of both comedy and advocacy. Uh, and I talk about fun and hard things there. My dick. Okay, let's stop. Um, <laughs> uh, see, fun. Malignant brain. And one other. Thank you again. I'm just so glad that when we met, it was quick, but like I had a feeling in my gut of just, oh, this no. guy, I feel connect. I think this guy and I would connect, and I'm so happy that you jumped in with me and just, because, you know, you came to a random person's house. I could be either fisting you or killing you right now, and um, I'm glad those things aren't happening. I don't want to tell you which one would be <laughs> preferable. All right. Just kidding. It's fisting. We, do we, like, again, this is why bestiality is so complex as an issue, right? Because it's like, I don't want to fuck a cow, but also, like, it's not right to eat them. <laughs> why do you taste so delicious? is what somebody says right before they fist you. Okay. Um. So, uh, so, yes, and if you listen to It's My Pleasure or say the name of your other podcast, the Malignant, Malignant Brain Humor. If you listen to Malignant Brain Humor, you go on those and you like them, leave a review for Mike. That's oh, yes. great. It's so even if you don't like it, leave a review. It's just it helps people find us. My power grows. Yes. It grows. It grows. It grows. <laughs> nope, that's my dick. All right, that's I gotta go. <laughs> All right, thank you so uh, much. And for the rest of you, you know the de- drill. Thank you. This was very much fun. I don't know the drill, but uh, lead well, me through it. Yeah, the drill is just, you know, do something for someone this week. I just think it's important to be yeah. in service. Extend and your empathy. Yes, extend, hashtag extend your empathy. And this ending goes on even after you leave. Just turn the yes, podcast down slowly yeah. and the volume. Okay, right, 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 bye. Sugars, it really was my pleasure with my pleasure. He's so nice. He has really perfect teeth too. He's just see how how just isn't he funny? I lo- again, I think as I said earlier, Mike and I connect about you know wanting to help people and wanting to expand ourselves, but we also will make a j- an inappropriate joke at any moment, and I think that's something that we both really connect on. So, if you do want to talk to Mike, hey, we literally download the Spare Men podcast. I think I can find a link to that and put that in the show notes. If not, just download Spare Men wherever you download apps. I believe it's on, I know it's on iPhones. I think it's on um, 
Android and stuff like that as well. Again, the Mindfulness Mode podcast. Ooh, I said it right that time. And the Building Business Rockstar show with Nicole Holland. Uh, Those are going to be the show notes as well. Also, for some of you that listen to Poodle, Jake Anthony and I's little YouTube videos, I know we promised y'all last week that we were going to start downloading the Mariah Carey or start uh, talking about the Mariah Carey show, that new Mariah's World, and we were going to recap it. Sugars, that show is so fucking bad. It's like, oh my God. I'm not a big Mariah fan anyway, but it's the biggest piece of shit. I can't, it's, uh, it's terrible. Anyway, we're going to watch episode two. If it's better, then we'll just put one and two together and recap. But we're not making any promises. But don't worry. If you're missing these two queens, we're still, we're going to come together. We're going to get some other stuff going. So, Sugars, you just stay tuned for that. So, next week, we've got another great episode. Who is it? I forgot who it is. But it's a really great episode. Oh, it's going to be Chris. He's so cute. Again, a really cool episode about a guy who started a business about helping people with their ex-boyfriend and ex-girlfriend. So, really cool show. Thanks for listening. Listen to Mike's stuff. And I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.